This podcast is brought to you by The Province. Listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Here are your hosts, Paul Chapman and E. Spencer Kite. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Keyboard Kimura podcast here on Province Sports Radio. I am your host, E. Spencer Kite, joined by my punch drunk predictions partner in crime, Patrick Shivik Linsky. We had an entire show sort of blueprinted in talking over the last couple of days via text and and getting lined up. And then today happened and, and we decided, you know what, let's just scrap that rundown and get right to a matter that is pressing in this market in Vancouver. Uh, we are taping this on what, Monday night, July 18th. Um, the day that a bunch of fights got announced, including one for Vancouver, Jim Miller and Joe Lozon going to run back their terrific fight from a Fox show a couple of years ago that was an absolute bloodbath. But we didn't get a main event yet, and with tickets going on sale on Friday and with main events being announced for the September 17th show in Hidalgo, Texas, we thought we would just jump right in and address this issue. It's something I wrote about for Keyboard Kimura that is up now as we speak. And Patrick, I know you had some some thoughts and some concerns and some frustrations with this, so I will turn it over to you. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this kind of... Uh in preparation for this podcast about how this, uh, you know, Vancouver uh, main event situation has become something of a guessing game, if you will. I mean, um, you know, when you look at the schedule of things and, and the fights that are upcoming, you got UFC 202 coming up, you got 203 coming up, pretty stacked across the board as, as you know, we talked about. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, you know, just kind of free fighters uh, out there that could be able to headline a big Fox card. So it's kind of this strange predicament right now where, you know, um, we're kind of left in a little bit of a limbo where we're not quite sure, you know, even who can headline this thing. I mean, you look across the board and, you you know, you look at someone, you know, um, like a Dominic Cruz, is it too early for him to come back? Uh, Demetrius Johnson, of course, coming off, you know, an injury. Who knows if he'll be able to fight? You know, there's a lot of variables right here. So I think it's a it's a unique situation that, you know, personally, I haven't seen much of. And I know, you know, it's it's made you scratch your head a bit, too. eh? Yeah, it's, it's made me scratch my head. And, and the first thing I will say as the. I guess, eternal optimist in this market and and on Twitter in terms of Vancouver MMA shows and the UFC in general. I, I mean, I'm a guy that tends to find the positive and, and looks for a way to, you know, find that silver lining in just about any fight card. You and I have talked a lot on this show about some of those events that don't necessarily have huge names but have the potential to be great like last week's show in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that turned out to be an absolute barn burner and just a great show from top to bottom. Um, 
But looking at this one, and, and I understand a lot of the mitigating circumstances. We're coming off International Fight Week, where there were 34 fights, uh, four title fights, a lot of big names. You look back at UFC 200, there were probably eight or nine fights on that show that could have served as a main or co-main event for an event of this nature on Fox. We've got five shows, including that Sioux Falls show last week with John Lineker and Michael McDonald between 200 and the Fox event in Vancouver. So all of those need to be filled. All of those events need to have headlining acts as well. We also have four more fights, fight cards in September, all of which have now been booked up and given their main events as well, which of course diminishes the, the possibilities of people fighting in Vancouver. The trouble and the frustration for me is that I understand booking some of those shows. Stipe Miocic fighting in Cleveland makes perfect sense. Andre Orlovsky and Josh Barnett headlining overseas, both coming off losses. I get it. That's not going to be a fight that headlines a Fox show in in August 2016 when those guys are coming off setbacks. The part that's a little bit frustrating and the part that makes me scratch my head is seeing a fight card like UFC 202 that is loaded with quality fights behind the Conor McGregor-Nate Diaz rematch at the top. A couple of fights that could definitely be on this card. One of them that we spoke about via text and, and both of us sort of mentioned was Anthony Johnson and Glover Teixeira, which was originally supposed to take place on this weekend's Fox card in Chicago. It was going to be the co-main event to Holly Holm and Valentina Shevchenko. Um, AJ got hurt. Then Glover said, you know what? I don't want to take a, a short notice guy. Let's just postpone it. So they did, and they put it on UFC 202 to help bolster that card. It looks like it may be the co-main event there. But if that's the case, then why is Damian Maia and Carlos Condit have to be on that show? Why does Donald Cerrone and Rick Story have to be on that show? Why even, you know, you look at a fight like Neil Magny and Lorenz Larkin. It's not the biggest fight in the world, but it could be a co-main event on Fox. Same with Cody Nolove, Garbrandt, and Takeya Mizugaki. With Cody coming off that great performance televised on FS1 against Thomas Almeida earlier this year, that's a star-making opportunity. Why put him on a show where he's probably not going to get the attention that result and his upward trajectory in that division deserves because so much attention is going to be paid to the bigger names that are on that show. The only way I see a guy like Cody getting a lot of attention is if they put him on Fight Pass, which then sort of defeats the purpose of having him headline previously. And so it makes me look around at some of these cards that are are deeper beyond their main event. I don't have any problem with any of the main events, including the Dustin Poirier-Michael Johnson fight that was announced today on Monday for Hidalgo, Texas. Um, Dustin and his wife are expecting their first child. He has said throughout that he didn't expect to be back. The earliest he wanted to return is September. He wants to be home and involved in the birth of their child and, and be there. So I get that. I had actually reached out to a couple people on Sunday about the possibility of Dustin Poirier and got that reminded to me by those folks. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that, but it's more looking at some of the stacked cards and and wondering why, for instance, Fabricio Verdum and Ben Roth will have to be on the co-main event of that show in Cleveland. Um, are you necessary? I, I get that it's a safety net if something happens to one of the main event fighters, but 
could like it it feels weird to me that so much has been booked around this show in Vancouver and yet you could make a case that we're still waiting for a main event and a co-main event and we're less than 6 weeks out out now and that's where it becomes the real tricky part to me is who's going to be ready on essentially 5 weeks because the last week you're here you're doing media you're getting ready you're doing your weight cut that isn't fight camp that isn't prep so you're looking at about a month worth of training and yeah guys are guys are getting ready and guys are in shape and you know we've had a lot of people talk about 4 to 6 weeks 8 week max being the best for them but if you're looking at a guy like Dominic Cruz or you're looking at some of the the few big names that are out there is that enough time to get ready is that enough time to really promote that matchup in this market with everything else that's going on it just feels like this is a a fight card and a fight that should have been booked early and promoted to the hilt rather than it being sort of the last minute thing and trending like it's going to get buried under everything else yeah i mean it's it's a, it's become such a strange situation and i mean like you said you know given the time that's kind of left until that event in Vancouver, you know, it, it, it's kind of tough to see them coming up with something, you know, um, w- with like a champion coming to that Fox card, like a Dominic Cruz or, or Demetrius Johnson, you know, if he's even healthy or available. You know, you, you just look at, you know, those fights and you, you think uh, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, those are guys with a, a lot on the line and I, I don't think that they would, you know, rush them into that situation. So, then, you know, you go down the line and, and you look at, you know, uh, who else is available. And, and like we were kind of talking before, and as you mentioned on the podcast just now, I mean, a perfect scenario, I think, for this, um, what, well, at least one of the perfect scenarios, would have been having that, you know, to share a rumble fight. It's a, you know, it's a, a great fight for the fans. It's two light heavyweight guys who are probably going to, you know, uh, knock each other out or, or someone someone's getting knocked out in that fight it's a fight that you know um has implications for that division and a perfect fight on fox but obviously you know they they decided to go the route and, and put it for ufc 202 to stack that card up which you know then kind of begs the question is how much stock is the ufc really putting into these fox cards <laughs> and, you know and how how much are they putting into the pay-per-views because as of late as we've seen you know ufc 200 obviously a special exception but um you know coming off of that and now you have ufc 202 coming up which people are talking about that's going to be bigger than ufc 200 so you know it, it seems like the ufc is purposely um uh, you know trying to just build these cards up as big as possible and really not worry too much about you know their little old fox deal um you know and, and that's a deal that, you know, uh, that the UFC worked hard to get. Um, and, and they are now televised on Fox. They've been so for, for a few years now. Um, it, it kind of it kind of blows my mind a little bit that they're they're just kind of brushing it aside um, in, in the way they are. And I I don't know if that's on purpose by design, but, it you know, if you're a fan in Vancouver, it, you don't really care. I mean, you, you want to see a good fight. You want to see, um, you know, a couple uh, important fighters who who really are, you know, 
on winning streaks and, and kind of coming into a situation and into a fight that means something. And, you know, we, we just haven't seen that yet. Um, it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, and the clock is ticking. I mean, it's really tough to say what they can do with the options that they have right now. And, and it does feel like in a lot of ways, you know, there's been some missed opportunities. Uh, you know, the, the, as, I, as I mentioned before with the Teixeira uh, Rumble thing, it would have been a perfect, you know, opportunity. And it's around that same time, too. I really don't, you know, understand why it's being thrown on an already great card in 202. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you want to stack it up even more, I guess, obviously. You know, Conor McGregor is going to sell on Conor McGregor's name alone. Nate Diaz is going to sell on his name alone. You don't need those guys on that card necessarily. but Well, yeah. and that's where that card, and, and you mentioned a couple of things in there that I, that I touched upon in, in my piece today that, that went up tonight. Um, I called UFC 202, UFC 200, the sequel. I mean, exactly. that's, that's <laughs> what it feels like and said exactly what you just said. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz don't need a supporting cast. If ever there was going to be a show um, almost similar to UFC 190 last year in Brazil, um, Ronda Rousey and Betch Cohea, end of August, there wasn't a lot else on there. I mean, the co-main event, I believe, was Shogun Hua and Antonio Rogério Nogueira. So not exactly a barn burner, big must-see fight. But Ronda and Betch and that rivalry alone was enough to carry that event to, I believe, close to a million buys, maybe 900,000 pay-per-view buys. Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor have that crossover appeal. They have that mainstream interest already. So they don't necessarily need a huge supported cast. And if you look at that fight card from top to bottom, there's a few fights that you could push back a week and put on this show in Vancouver. Now, I will say that that is still entirely a possibility. It wouldn't surprise me if some point in the next 24, 36 hours, that ends up being what happens. Because, as we've said, the options are limited. And I want to sort of run through a few of them that we've touched on and, and that we've talked about in the past kind of couple of days that we've been throwing this around and trying to spitball and figure out. I mean, I had a piece in Sunday's paper saying, GSP Nick Diaz it was a pipe dream. It said right in the piece, listen, Vancouver, this isn't going to happen. But the other thing you said before we get to the possible options that I think is 100% true, and, and I included it in my story today, and it's one of those things that I don't often say because I'm usually the guy that is like, well, the fans need to recognize a good fight for being a good fight and the value of it. But you and I were both there when they walked out of Demetrius Johnson defending his title. Um both in Montreal and in Vancouver, actually. So bringing a Demetrius Johnson back, and, and DJ's hurt, so we don't know if that's even a possibility, but bringing a Demetrius Johnson back where you and I could go on till we're blue in the face talking about the importance of this fight and that he's chasing history and that he's the most technical and, and complete fighter in the sport right now, and people would just look at us and shake their heads because fans don't necessarily care about the behind-the-scenes going on, goings-on. They don't necessarily care about this guy is ranked number three and this guy's ranked number seven, and it's a great stylistic matchup and it'll be a really technical fight. They want to see people that they're familiar with. They want to see action fights. They want a matchup that they can really get hyped and pumped up about. And as much as you and I may geek out for 
Demetrius Johnson or Dominic Cruz, the general public and the ticket-buying people of Vancouver aren't necessarily going to be that hype for it unless they're fighting each other. And Mm -hmm. that's something that DJ has said he's not ready to do yet. He wants to pursue that Anderson Silva record for consecutive successful title defenses. Dominic came out in the last couple of weeks and said, you know, I'm not all that keen on a rematch with TJ Dillashaw, who just fought at UFC 200. So he's definitely not jumping right back into things. He would rather look at fights with guys like Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor, which makes sense. Chase some of that money, chase some of those bigger opportunities. If it were to be Dominic Cruz, it would most likely be against a guy like Brian Caraway, which... No knock on Brian Caraway and Dominic Cruz, but that's not moving big units in Vancouver. Um, and so it, it gets into that area where it's just like, we may not have, we may end up, all this all this talk that we're doing, we may end up with that Rumble Glover to share a fight. And at this point, it'll feel like it's a consolation prize. And that's one of the things that really worries me and has me concerned about the way all of this has been playing out. This felt like an opportunity when the event was announced and Anthony Pettis and Charles Oliveira were announced as one of the first two fights for this card. Paige Van Zandt and Beck Rawlings were quickly added after. I was getting really excited because those are perfect fights to be number three and four on the main card. Pettis is a former champ, changing divisions, but he's on a three-fight losing streak. Paige is a big name right now, coming off her success on Dancing with the Stars. Um, But she, too, is coming off a one-sided drubbing last December. And so you can't necessarily have them as the showcase people on the card. But as tertiary pieces, they're fantastic. Now it kind of feels like one of them might be the co-main event. And if we get a, here you can have this fight from this card that was already booked as the main event because the options are severely limited... That's going to take this card from being a chance to reignite things in Vancouver to making a lot of people yet again question why the UFC hates Vancouver, which of course will make people in Calgary and Winnipeg hate Vancouver even more because they've got it even worse than us over the years. But it just feels like this is played wrong and this hasn't been played right. It could have been a great opportunity and it feels more like like I keep getting traffic on Twitter from people that are like, well, they better announce something soon and it better be big and it better be good. Some of those people are crazies. I apologize <laughs> to you if you're listening, but some of y'all are crazy. You want ridiculous things that just feasibly cannot happen. Um, one guy said to me today, I, you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson fought five days ago. He got punched in the face a lot. He is almost got knocked out. <laughs> almost got almost got knocked out. He is almost 100% on at least a 45-day suspension. So he's not fighting. His follow-up response when I was like, so that one's out, was, well, then they better book something decent like Chris Weidman versus Luke Rockhold. Well, Chris yeah. Weidman just had neck surgery or back <laughs> surgery. Back surgery where they went through his neck. I saw him in Ottawa. He's got a scar on his neck. He was still like he still couldn't be in the gym doing anything. He was at a community works we are all fighters event in Ottawa, and they had to actually like the PR staff had to go over and be like, Chris, you can't even do that. Like you can't even just stand like be careful shadow boxing. 
So that's not happening, and they're not bringing that fight to Vancouver. They're saving that for New York City. Whatever Chris fights next, it will be in his homes in his hometown at MSG. But as much as there are those crazies out there, we also do need something big on this. And and to what you were saying, it feels like the UFC is kind of ignoring this Fox card and and not putting the same onus on the Fox cards as as they did even a year and a half ago when we had champions defending belts and bigger fights on these shows. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and, and one of the things, I mean, you know, uh, in, in thinking about who's available for this, you know, UFC Vancouver card coming up, one of the, one of the names, you know, we were kind of kicking around a little bit was Anderson Silva, of course. And that's a big name. That's a huge name. And that's a guy, no matter kind of, you know, what happens to him in his career right now, He's a guy that, you know, the fans show up for. He's a guy who draws eyes, very, very unique fighter, still to this day, very dangerous. Showed up on two days notice in Vegas and got a hero's welcome. Exactly. And that, you know, up to that point, I'd been thinking, okay, the UFC might, you know, pull that out of their back pocket. Anderson is going to fight in Vancouver. But now with this whole UFC 200 thing, he just fought Daniel Cormier on two days' notice. He's not looking for a fight real quick, I don't think, you know, and and, and rightfully so. He doesn't need to. So, I mean, the the options for a big, big name um, are, you know, almost non-existent for, for, a, for a gigantic name to come to Vancouver. It's just not going to happen. It's not realistic enough. I mean... You know, we, we, we talked about GSP Diaz, pipe dream for sure. I, I'd love it just as much as anyone, but it's not going to happen. Um, the, the, the fights that I think the fans, you know, um, might, you know, uh, could, or could kind of expect from this is someone like a Jacare who doesn't really have a dance partner right now. Um, you know, Michael Bisbing is obviously going to fight uh, Dan Henderson. For the uh, for the middleweight uh, title that seems to be going down and that will probably go down in Manchester at some point in the fall. Um, so a guy like Jacare right now, uh, for him to stay active might be a good idea. And you know I brought this up to you beforehand. Yoel Romero is coming off of suspension. Um, you know he could be a a good candidate to have that rematch. I know that's a fight that bothers Jacare quite a bit. So that, that could be something that uh, might be an interesting and more realistic kind of um, fight to have headline because it does have, you know, still those, those implications for, for the middleweight division. But, um, you know, out, outside of that, we, we kind of talked about it on the phone. I mean, I brought, <laughs> I brought this up was, you know, in, an, in a perfect world, maybe, you know, you'd have Rory McDonald. But obviously, ha- we don't know if he's going to re-sign with the UFC yet. We obviously saw that his nose is busted up to all hell. So, you know, he's out. He'd be a perfect guy to headline any any card, you know, in Canada. He's one of those guys who brings it. And, and having a fight, you know, between him and someone like a cowboy trying to climb up those uh, welterweight ranks would have definitely drawn eyes. But you can't have that now either. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, the, the, the options are, are kind of slim. But... You know, for for my money, you know, I I definitely 
lean towards something. Seeing seeing Jacare in Vancouver, I think would be a great fit for that card and and one that would you know mean a lot, especially if you pitted him against um, you know someone like a Yoel Romero or a Robert Whitaker trying to you know come up in that 185 pound division and and really kind of stake their claim for that title shot. I think that would be a good opportunity. It's the Keyboard Kamara podcast on Province Sports Radio. E. Spencer Kite, Patrick Shivik, Linsky, talking all things UFC Vancouver, trying to figure out what might be the, the mysterious, elusive main event for this show on August 27th at Rogers Arena. Tickets go on sale on Friday at 10 a.m. at the arena at Ticketmaster. Uh, check those out. It's really interesting. I, I agree with you about Jacare being a potential guy. Um, definitely somebody that, given that we assume Michael Bisping is going to defend his title against old man Dan Henderson, um, which is just one of those hilarious things that, you know, you see Bisping trying to make the case for it and doing the like, why wouldn't I want to avenge the worst knockout of my life? And, and the, res- the, the answer and the obvious answer is because you haven't wanted to until this point now that you're trying to protect a title and hang on to it as long as you can suddenly now you want to fight like he could have fought dan henderson on that card in montreal that we were at last year when he fought cb dalloway but he had no interest because there was no no real draw to it there was no real allure to it now he can sell it as oh but this is revenge and it's the greatest (laughs) knockout in ufc history and it's still dan henderson's logo which is hilarious (laughs) But it's also crazy and crappy for Jacques Ray Souza, who who feels like a guy that is kind of getting passed over here, has done everything he needs to do to assert himself as a number one contender. I agree that a rematch between he and Romero, or him and Robert Whitaker, or even him and a returning Tim Kennedy, if Tim Kennedy does indeed want to come back and fight and do this damn thing real quickly, would would be fine. It's not. It'd be great to me. It wouldn't be super great and super over with fans in Vancouver, I don't think. But, I mean, you and I have have both probably gone down the rankings trying to figure out who would be available, and there just really aren't that many options. I mean, I'm at a point where I would be satisfied with Derek Lewis taking on Mark Hunt or Stefan Struve or Ruslan Magomedov as the co-main event just because I like watching Derek Lewis get in there and chuck them bungalows <laughs> and he's super entertaining and I know we're going to get some good sound bites through the week, much like Ariel Hawani did today on his show. But that's not a fight that's going to really draw people into Fox and that's not a fight that's going to do big ratings for them or big box office. And I mean, Tickets are already reduced for this show. Not reduced, but comparative to other events in Vancouver, because this is a Fox show, not nearly the same prices as the pay-per-view events. But you just look at the lineup and you look at the landscape of of who might even, in theory, be available. And the pickings are slim, and it, it brings me back to sort of the, did the UFC paint themselves into a corner and sort of overreach with some of these loaded events? Did they make a mistake in trying to go so far over the top with International Fight Week and do so much then and have so many fights in this July through September span that invariably there are going to be ones that suffer? And to me, the ones that 
not suffer, but are going to be not as big cards, are cards like you have coming up in Salt Lake City, where it's tremendous to have Yair Rodriguez and Bruce Leroy, Bruce Leroy Alex Caceres headlining. Perfect headliner. A couple kids that are coming off phenomenal fights that have looked good. Get them out there. But why are you going to overlook and shortchange a Fox card? It is your biggest, most expansive platform available to you. The shows, and I, because I'm a nerd, I did the math last week. The 19 Fox cards to date have averaged just under 3 million, just over 3 million viewers over the course of their existence. So this is a chance to put anybody in front of three, an average of 3 million people. The summer shows have done about 2.3, 2.4 on average. But if you get the right fight, there's nothing else really going on. It's the dog days of summer in terms of of baseball. Yes, there's probably a CFL game, but fight fans and CFL fans don't seem to be. I don't think they cross over too much in that Venn diagram. Um, it's just It just feels like such a wasted opportunity. And to sort of circle this into something larger to what you brought up, does it feel to you like the UFC is is kind of punting on Fox a little bit and just kind of getting by with what they can do and and trying to make sure that they make as much money on pay-per-view before they get out the door? Or are we kind of just crazy? Well, I mean, you know, it, it really does feel that way to me, honestly. And and I'll, I'll tell you why. It's, you know, as we said before, I mean, the, the UFC 202 card, there is no reason I think that that needs to be as stacked as it is. There, it, It's, I mean, it's the honest truth. And I, I really, you know, like, you know, as a, as a fan of the sport, I, I do enjoy it when, you know, um, cards have a lot of great quality fights and and all this. But, you know, putting uh, putting an important fight like a Glover Rumble and Condit Maya, you know, on on that card, you only need one of those honestly, <laughs> right. to, to really fill that card out. And as we said, you know, before in this podcast is McGregor Diaz sells itself, man. You could put McGregor Diaz with me fighting in the co-main event, and it's still going to do record numbers, honestly. And and that's the that that's the thing here is, you know, I, I do really think that you know, the UFC is is kind of just looking at the Fox situation a little bit and just saying, hey, we'll kind of give you what we got, you know, whatever's left over. We'll, we'll kind of throw it your way. You yeah, know, we'll, so. we'll give you what's left over. But the tricky part is that they decide what's left over. Um, and and you're right. And not to just sort of focus exclusively on UFC 202, but but it is an embarrassment of riches right now. You look at that fight card, and it's it's got some really good fights on it and some fights that, you know, when, when Donald Cerrone is most likely either going to be your pay-per-view opener or sort of in that fourth position on the main card, then you got maybe too many really good fights. Like, you look at that card and and picking five to be the main card is challenging because it means you're either sending Cerrone and Rick Story or Neil Magny, who has been the most loyal UFC soldier over the last three years to the prelims, and Cody Garbrandt, and even somebody like... Tim Means and Sean Strickland, both coming off good performances. I have a feeling that's going to be ticketed as the 
Fight Pass prelim sort of feature. Um, my guess is Cody Nolov and Entekeya Mizugaki get the headlining prelim role. It's just, you see fights like that. And you see even even the card in, in Cleveland. I mean, Miosic, Ver, Miosic overing for the main event for the title. Verdum and Rothwell, second to that. I would assume that CM Punk will be the third fight or the fourth fight. Uriah Faber and Jimmy Rivera are on there. That's four fights there as well that, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna not put CM Bong on pay-per-view. You're gonna cash in on that one, absolutely. But Jimmy Rivera and Uriah Faber can't run it back on Fox. Like they they can't be a part of that. Uriah Faber is one of the ten biggest draws you have, one of the most recognizable names in the organization. To me, he's a perfect guy to have on this. He didn't seem to come away from his fight with Dominic Cruz with any issues. If Jimmy Rivera beats him, you want that dude to be on a platform where as many eyes as possible can see him rather than them being sort of buried beneath the homecoming heavyweight champ and the debuting WWE guy who is going to get a ton of attention. And, and so, sorry, jump in. No, no, no. And, and, and I mean, this could be just me, but I mean, in a lot of ways, it, it just feels to me. You know that uh, uh, you know this stuff at 202 that's going on, and this stuff at, at subsequently at 203 now. You know it feels like compensation for UFC 200. I think that it feels like the UFC didn't accomplish exactly what they wanted with 200 in some ways, in terms of you know the John Jones situation, and you know the 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 card being you know, I guess slightly underwhelming in some ways, the fights, how they played out. And, you know, now they're kind of like looking at the summer and saying, well, you know, we need a huge one this summer. We need one of these to hit, you know, and, and get, you know, hit out the ballpark. You know, we, we need one of these to, to really cause a huge stir. And that's what it feels like they're doing with 202 and 203 now. Because as you said, you know, the, the Faber fight, Traditionally, this would have felt like a perfect fit on on a Fox platform. Yet it's going to be third or fourth fiddle on you know um, on that card at two hundred three in Cleveland. So it really does feel to me, you know, that in some ways they they weren't happy with what happened with their summer blockbuster in two hundred. You know, and that comes all the way from the beginning from the Connor uh, Nate Diaz fight uh, rematch that was supposed to be originally on that. You know, and and like you said, I mean, 202 is kind of like a redo, it feels, for 200. It's the one that everyone wants to see. Everyone wants to see that rematch. So in a a lot of ways, I mean, it it just feels like the UFC is trying to, you know, just load up and say, you know, we need one of these to really, you know, make some noise. So if you're a, let's say, moderate fight fan in Vancouver, I don't want to say casual because, you know, Casual are, are going to be a little more lackadaisical in terms of what they get excited for. And they only know six or eight names. And if it's not one of those names, they don't particularly care. But let's say you're a guy that doesn't write about this sport, but you tend to watch, you know, whenever you can, you get the big pay-per-views when they're on Fox and they're on FS1, you tend to tune in. What would be sort of, what's the floor that we can set? for main event for Fox that would be enough for you to be interested. And I'm I'm even trying to think back to some of the Fox cards that we've had in the past and some of the headlining fights on there. 
And like, I don't even know that we get a Nate Diaz, Jim Miller level fight. Cause when they fought, they were both kind of in that top 10, top 15 mix. I don't know that we even have a fight like that. That's, that's readily available and, and can be pulled off outside of the ones that we sort of mentioned of like, if Jacare decides to fight Robert Whitaker. Yeah. I mean, to, and to me, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was going to say, honestly. I mean, Jacare Whitaker is, is probably, you know, uh, that fight that I, I would say would, would be kind of the, um, you know, I, I kind of the floor of things. Yeah, exactly. The bare minimum for, for people to kind of, uh, want to tune in, uh, and, and see that. I mean, you know, it, it, it is tricky though. Like you look up and down and, and you really don't have a lot of options and, and Jacare, you know, God bless him. A, a absolutely phenomenal fighter, a great talent, you know, one of, one of the best Brazilian fighters, uh, of all time, I think. And, but you know, not a dude that's going to super excite people absolutely. that are just casual fans, unfortunately. Exactly, and and not in Vancouver either. I mean, if this was Rio de Janeiro, we're talking about right. a different thing. But right, it's it's just the the eyes won't you know be glued to the TV when Jacare comes to fight in Rogers Arena. I don't think so. Um, it, yeah, it's a it's a tough situation. I'm I'm honestly just extremely curious. You know, as I've been texting you back and forth and, and, you know, we've kind of been just bouncing ideas, you know, of who it could be. I'm just, you know, at the point where I'm like, listen, I, I'm, I'm as curious as every other fan in Vancouver is right now about this thing. I, I'm, I'm just curious to find out what happens. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you, you look through some of these divisions and I literally sat here yesterday trying to figure it out and, and running down from top to bottom of, of weight classes you get. You know, you look at a guy like Max Holloway, who's on a really nice winning streak, has been getting a bunch of attention lately and, and very much deserved attention. But you look at Max and you think, okay, well, well, Max is available. And he might be, along with Jacques Ray, the highest available ranked fighter. So who could Max Holloway fight? at featherweight that would be kind of main event worthy. Well, he's fought everybody ranked from number one to number eight outside of Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar, who just fought Chad and Chad Mendez, but Chad is suspended. Everybody like he's beat five. He's beat six. He's beat seven. He's beat eight. Nine is booked. 10 is Brian Ortega and no offense T city. That's not a main event. No. <laughs> and so you, and, and the tough part is that you do that in just about every division. Like, Khabib Nurmagomedov would be a great guy to bring back. It would be phenomenal to have him on this platform, have him get another victory, continue his winning streak, get a chance to say, again, I want my title shot. But who would he fight? Anthony Pettis has moved down. Dustin Poirier is now booked. Michael Chiesa is injured. Michael Johnson is is booked against Poirier. That leaves us at 11 with Benil Dariush. I would be amped for that fight. I would be geeked to see that fight. But I don't know that it's a big enough fight to really draw people in. And is could be ready to interested in fighting at the end of August, having just gone through Ramadan and, and the whole fasting period. So where is he at in his training, in his conditioning, in his energy levels? He said after his win over Daryl Horcher, he was hoping to sort of hold off until the fall as well. So that's probably not on the table. And there just 
aren't options. And I wonder if the UFC didn't sort of maybe back of their mind plan, hope, fingers crossed that Rory McDonald came through the Stephen Thompson fight and they could just put him in there. And then when that didn't work out, it became, oh shit, what do we do? Because, I mean, you could probably go to Wonder Boy and be like, hey, Stephen, we really need you in Vancouver. And he is the sweetest, most wonderful dude there is in the world. And in most cases, he would probably say, oh, yes, sir, absolutely no problem, whatever you need. But dude has earned a title shot. (laughs) And so Um, if there's ever a time for him to be like, you know, I'm happy hanging out here in, in South Carolina and waiting to go up and help Chris get ready for his next fight and just kind of enjoying my summer. The only way I can see it happening is if they back up a gigantic truck of money. But even then, who does he fight? Like, does he, is there any reason for him to fight Calvin Gastelum who just, it would be coming off a win over Johnny Hendricks. You know, Gunnar Nelson would be a fight I'm interested in. But as you said, when I texted you with that as like a random suggestion, that's a huge risky fight for Steven Thompson in the position he's in. So I can't see him doing it, which leaves us at this like, oh my God, we, we really don't have anybody. So if I had to make a pick and had to make some kind of prediction of what we end up getting in the next, ideally, 36 to 48 hours since tickets go on sale on Friday, I think we're going to end up with one of these big fights that are booked for UFC 202. It gets pushed back. If I get to be choosy, I want Damian Maya and Carlos Condit because... Hell yes, that's a fight I want to see. And I think it's, I think you can put together enough of a sizzle reel to sell that as a main event as the winner gets next. Um, and I mean, this also got that history with Rory, too. I mean, and the Vancouver fans know, know that. So that's a, that's another great uh, little caveat there. And, and Damian Maya has fought out here. And I mean, listen, if it ends up being AJ and, and Glover to share, I'm not complaining at that either. But it, it will feel and it will, you will see backlash. I am telling you this now, faithful listeners, anyone from the UFC that happens to tune in, I think I've already said this to a couple of people. If we do get that sort of hand-me-down fight, you will see backlash from people that say like, what the hell? Why did, how was this what we end up with? A fight that was booked elsewhere and we didn't get any, like we didn't get any of the big fights. We didn't get even a, a planned important fight. We got the leftovers from somewhere else. And that's going to be a tough one for the UFC to answer and for fans to, to, I mean, the one saving grace is that this is a Fox card. And so I think cage side seats are like under 200 bucks. So it's not killing you to go to this event. Like it was for some of those pay-per-view shows, but it just feels like this one got played absolutely wrong in in every way possible and it's taken away from what started as oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and it's got it to oh my god what are they going to give us what what are we going to end up with and it's going to be it's good it makes this week really interesting at least for us obviously local in this market but it's something that people have talked about you and i texted today i was doing work listening to the MMA hour and, and Ariel Hawani mentioned it. So that goes out to a very large pool of people. And if Ariel's recognizing it and the people that are tweeting into his show are recognizing it, 
you can be sure everybody's recognizing it. And so it's going to be something that we continue to talk about. And and that's going to take away from the other Fox event this weekend that we now haven't talked about because we're focused on what feels like it has gone wrong in our local market. It's a Keyboard Kimura podcast, Province Sports Radio, East Spencer Kite, Patrick Shivik-Linsky, wrapping up on UFC Vancouver. I do want to end on a positive note. I do want to circle back to the fight that we got added today. Um, Jim Miller and Joe Lozon. Uh, UFC PR, v- VP of PR, Dave Schaller, tweeted out a like, can I get a hell yeah when this was announced? A lot of people responded with hell yeah. If you don't remember their first fight, December 29th, 2012, I got it wrong. It wasn't a Fox show. It was UFC 155. It was the fight of the night. It was a third to last day of the year effort to try to win fight of the year. Mm. Um, it was a it was an absolute bloodbath, phenomenally entertaining. There was a point where they had to pause the fight in between to check a cut or check something, and Joe Lozon was bleeding onto Jim Miller. I've talked to both about it. They laugh about it. Both are coming off very good performances at UFC 200. That's a pick-me-up at least, right? Like, at least we're getting... It feels like we're going to get a bunch of good fights, but not necessarily that big, one, meaty fight that we wanted. Is that enough? Is that... Can can we be satisfied with that? I mean, you know, if if you're asking me, (laughs) I mean, hell yeah. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I love, I love that first fight between Miller and Lozon and, you know, coming off the performances that they had at UFC 200, you know, for, um, for Lozon having that, you know, uh, distinction of being the first guy to finish Diego Sanchez, the freaking walking zombie and, and, (laughs) Now, you know, Jim Miller, obviously a great performance against Takanori Gomi. I mean, now's the time, I mean, for that rematch. That, that, that's one that, you know, definitely helps. Uh, and if, if the card is filled up with fights like that, right. you know, I, I, I think it's, it, it'd be a great thing. And I think it's going to be one of those cards that kind of maybe creeps up on you a little bit. Kind of like the Sioux Falls one. Right. The, the only problem is... Will it attract people? Will it get people in seats if you don't have big name headliners? And that I don't think, you know, will happen unless you have a, a unless you have a bigger kind of name that can carry that card. But um, you know, in terms of the quality of the card, if they keep stacking it up with, you know, fights like Miller Lozon and then, you know, have that Pettis Oliveira, Van Zant Rawlings, you know, if they if, if they have, you know, kind of those fights in their pocket and can and put together a very solid card. I think we can see some really awesome fights, you know, the same way that the, the Sioux Falls kind of one, I mean, the, the Sioux Falls main event and co-main event almost trumped everything that happened on <laughs> fight week. It's crazy. And, and, you know, you can never really count any fight out in, in this game. I mean, it's too unpredictable. It's too wild. So, the the really you know the the most important thing is good matchmaking. It's not about you know having two you know stellar names together necessarily. I mean sometimes that does equal uh, you know a great fight. In a lot of cases it does. But I mean we saw you know Brock Lesnar, Mark Hunt. A lot of people were kind of you know 
on on the fence about how that ended and and the hype going into it was just off the charts right um, and you really can't plan these things out so i think what you can do you know is is great matchmaking like we're seeing i think for the vancouver card if anything there's a lot of great matchmaking going on and i think that if they continue in this you know route it's one of those cards that could sneak up on you the one thing I will say, and I know I said I wanted to end on a high note talking about a great rematch between Joe Lozon and Jim Miller because I do expect it. It's my, look, look I don't even know what else is going to be on the card. That's going to be fight of the night. I'm calling it right now on July 18th, a good month and change before the event. I'm going to backtrack on that ending on a high note because one of the, I guess, challenging parts of these shows and and again stuff that came up with me on twitter today talking to some people that were hitting me up wondering what the hell's going on is that a lot of what's left and a lot of so there's i believe six fights announced and confirmed for the show now um still gonna have a main event that gives a seven i would bet you that of the remaining five most of those are populated by at least one canadian and that becomes part of the challenge for these shows as well and and a lot of people hit me up and were like look i don't care where people are from i just want good fights and the struggle is and and another thing that the ufc maybe needs to look at going forward is just because you're in canada doesn't mean you need to throw every canadian you can find on this card because a lot of fans just want to see good fight like they didn't pull I know that when they're in the States, they have tons of fighters that are from America, but there's a much larger talent pool to draw from. And when they go to Europe and do a European show, they pull from all of Europe, which, again, a little bit of a bigger talent pool, a more diverse talent pool, I would say. And they're not catering to a specific region. They're catering to an entire large group. Whereas in Canada, yeah, we're great big in terms of the size of this country and the landmass we take up, but there's not a lot of Canadian fighters in the UFC and there's not a ton of tremendous emerging talent in this country. And that's not to disparage any of the dudes that are going to be announced as signed for this card and making their debuts and showing up on this fight card. Some of whom I think are actually really good fighters, but people don't necessarily want to pay to see a whole bunch of brand new Canadian fighters. They would rather see like, I would rather see those guys spread out over a course of a few cards so that there is a Canadian tie-in to every event. And there is something that we can look at and be like, oh, well, so-and-so is fighting on this card, rather than what we get on all of these Canadian shows where there's three or four fights and then eight Canadians. Definitely. And so that's going to be another one of the, like, somebody asked me, what else is going to be? There's got to be, there's barely any fights announced. There's more fights announced for Hidalgo, Texas than there are for Vancouver. And my response was, we're going to get this dump of fight announcements that most of them are either going to be Canadian versus Canadian or Canadian versus somebody that isn't Canadian. And a bunch of them are going to be newcomers. And that's great for that Canadian talent getting to this level and getting this opportunity. But it's not necessarily the best for fans in Vancouver that want to see big names and and recognizable names that they can attach themselves to and and that compel them to spend money to go watch this event. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, you know, being Canadian and and having a lot of Canadians on the card is is definitely one thing, but you know, it's another thing. I mean, even having quality, you know, Canadian fighters that 
that have been in the UFC for a little while. I mean, when you talk about this card in Vancouver, I'd like to see Sarah Kaufman come back and, and fight. I think that'd be, you know, she she's a name that's recognizable enough, um, you know, in MMA circles and, and uh, you know, a tough, tough chick for sure. And, and one that has, has always been, you know, um, an entertaining fighter to watch. You know, if she fought someone like a Raquel Pennington, that's a fight I'm down for. Um, but like you said, I mean, Raquel Pennington is booked for UFC 202, brother. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I just played myself. <laughs> oh, and, and this is the exact problem. <laughs> so, so, I mean, there's, the thing is, you know, you, you definitely want to have that talent exposed. Uh, as you were saying, you know, it's nice to have those, those young Canadian newcomers come, coming up the ranks and, fighting on a UFC card where a lot more people are watching. But at the same time, I think it, you know, it's just as important to really draw eyes with, with fighters who have, you know, established names in some ways. I mean, that, that's what brings kind of, you know, people to, to the arena in a, in a market that doesn't have a lot of, you know, UFC events. I mean, if we, as you know, as a market here in Vancouver, only get a UFC event every couple of years. It, you know, it kind of feels like a missed opportunity if it's if it's just a bunch of fights that you know, not a lot of people know the names, not a lot of people know who these guys are. Unfortunately, that's that's the nature of the beast. The people who go and buy the tickets are looking at what what's the main event, what's the co-main event. You know, they're not necessarily looking at What's on the prelims? I mean, hell, a lot of people don't even show up in the arena until right. the main card is, is underway, right? So they, you know, they have to do something, you know, with it to to bring those eyes. And unfortunately, we're at kind of a crossroad right now where I don't know if that's going to happen for this card. Gun to your head, forced to pick, forced to decide. What do we end up with as a main event? Um, <laughs> you had to know I was going to put you on the spot. With this. Yeah, yeah. Diaz, GSP, too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I honestly think that, you know, realistically speaking, it's one that I talked about earlier. Jacare, uh, Romero, too. I think, you know, not only is it an entertaining fight, those guys are two, you know, big, hulking middleweights, very strong, very skilled guys. The way that first fight went down, there's a lot of bad blood. I think Jacare would come in there very motivated, and he'd want to, you know, tear Romero's head off for sure. So I think that's a fight that is realistic given, you know, both those guys' status and um, one that would be entertaining enough. I mean, wouldn't necessarily bring the eyes, but I think it's a, a fight that would be extremely entertaining for the fans. How about you? I, like I said, I think we're going to end up getting one of those UFC 202 fights pushed to us a week later in Vancouver. Uh, my preference would be Damian Maya, Carlos Conda, because I would love to see those two phenomenal talents go at it from press row. But we'll find out soon enough. Hopefully it is July 18th, going to be the 19th when most people are probably listening to this. Tickets go on sale on Friday. So hopefully in the next... 36 hours we have something more to report about this event but as for now it has been the keyboard kimura podcast on province sports radio he is patrick shivik follow him on twitter at p-a-t-c-w-i 
K-L-I-N-S-K-I. I am always E. Spencer Kite. Follow me at Spencer Kite. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, all of those good things. Appreciate the continued support of this podcast, the work we're doing online, everything that's going on with UFC at the province in general. Keep listening. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We will be back to talk about whatever happens, whatever we get later in the week. Until then, be good to each other. You've been listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Read the Keyboard Kimura blog on theprovince.com, follow them on Twitter at Keyboard Kimura, or visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash keyboard Kimura. Thank you.